Welcome to Squad, the leadership and high performance podcast that aims to help you change your game through inspirational stories and insights from some of the most fascinating people around. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Alexandra um, Kurika, uh, founder of FinTech and Cyber Crime Recruitment Agency, TAIL. And Alex, you've been in recruitment for three and a half years prior to establishing TAIL. Um, what was the motivation for establishing your own recruitment agency? Well, like you mentioned, I wasn't in recruitment long, but last year when COVID hit, I didn't think agencies had the right focus. Um, and that's when we saw mass redundancies happen and everything. And to me, it was more of a period where people needed help more than anything. And I felt like agencies just focused on revenue and they tightened up KPIs and they were driving sales in a period when they shouldn't have. So ethically to me, that didn't feel right. And I said, well, screw it. I can do it better. I can focus on what I think is right. And that's when I set up Tail. So you followed through the, uh, the sectors you're in now and the sectors that you were hmm. working on when you were in Aston Carter and Borgrate. Is that right? So you've taken through that or have you pivoted slightly? No. So I finished, graduated 2017, fell into recruitment, like pretty much everyone in this industry. And they put me in the compliance and financial crime market. Um, I studied that. I wanted to know what the hell I was talking about. So I did my research on what that actually was. Uh, fell in love with it and something that I saw happen about a year and a half ago was fintechs needing to hire in this space so I thought okay let me make this my niche um, and I don't really want to move away from it. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an unusual sector um, as in mm -hmm. it's the one that if you if you looked across industry sectors in recruitment um, one might argue that the, the cyber crime particularly is rather more niche than others um, and you love it. So what is it that you love about it the most? Just the ridiculous stories. You used to hear some insane stories. I remember I had candidates tell me about situations like through transactions that they saw going on in banking, they managed to uncover dolphin trafficking on the coast of like China or something like that. And I just thought, what the hell? That's absolutely insane that through transactions, you can investigate so deep to see that that's happening. So it, it kind of also aligns with the fact that it's ethically motivated as well. I mean, these people are literally figuring out where human trafficking is happening, uh, fraudsters. And I'd say that with money launderers, they're like 10 years ahead of us technology wise. So we are way behind, but these people are getting brought into at least to mitigate that to some extent. So, you know, it doesn't all go to shit. <laughs> so, so what would be, so, I mean, dolphin trafficking, I don't even think we're trying to go into that, uh, Alex. <laughs> I think I might just let my brain work out what that could involve. Um, but what, what kind of, uh, what kind of person would you ordinarily find for your clients? What would make like sort of the general demographic of a candidate for you? Well, I guess it depends on seniority, doesn't it? So what do you mean by that? Well, like, so, uh, you know, 
if, if you're in marketing, you might find a marketing manager who is involved in doing design and concept, SEO, email marketing, uh, that kind of thing. So okay. I just wonder what, what a cyber crime candidate looked like. What kind of individual? So, <laughs> I took the piss on this because you know how you normally get recruiters posting, oh, I've got an amazing job or I've got this fantastic opportunity. That is not how I sell to financial crime candidates because what attracts a financial crime candidate is if I say, hey guys, I've got a bank that's in a ton of shit with the regulators and they need help. And they're like, oh yes, love to get my hands in that. So I'm, they're sadistic, that's all I can say. They, they like a challenge <laughs> and they like to get their hands dirty into discovering all of these things that are happening. So the way you described it is interesting because as we touched on before we uh, we started this this podcast, the way that you deliver your messages is actually quite unique. And I think it breaks the mould. And it's really interesting to see how you portray yourself and obviously tailors your agency, but subsequently represent your clients because that's what you're doing, isn't it? And, yeah. and it's just interesting how you get up on video and the, and the way that you, you do that. What, what was the... Um, what was the theory behind that and the process behind getting up in the camera and the way that you deliver? Great question. Um, well, just to answer the motivating factor behind it first was last year in May, I was getting a lot of calls from people who were made redundant. Some of them were crying. Some of them were like in a ridiculous amount of stress. And I thought I'm getting so many calls. I need to find a way that I can address a lot of people in one go and add tips that are valuable to them at that moment. And I was already someone who posted on Instagram a shit ton and I thought it can't be any different if I do it on LinkedIn, just probably don't swear as much. Um, so I started doing it on LinkedIn and I realized that people were actually getting good value from it. So I started doing it more and more. And now I've bought a camera to make them look better. <laughs> and how is it, I am intrigued, genuinely intrigued to how that is, um, how that goes down with your clients and also candidates as well, because you're representing both. Because what, what, you're, what you're doing, and again, part of the reason why I was attracted to having you on the podcast in the first place, really is quite different and the polar opposite in many regards to how we have, and I say we, us 40 somethings have been brought up in recruitment um, since we, like you, fell into it some 20 odd years ago, right? Um, and the prospect, and obviously 20 years ago, you could do the hardest stuff you're doing anyway, because LinkedIn and Instagram didn't exist. But irrespective of that, you are sort of flying in the face of what is a, a you know, a standard and typical model. How do your clients and candidates feel about it? Candidates love it. Uh, that's the main thing I can say. The candidates always message me saying, oh, this was really useful. I was able to correct my CV in this format or whatever. And when I approach new candidates as well, it's, it's a massive icebreaker because someone I've never spoken to before has actually seen the videos that I do. So the first thing they start off with saying is, oh, Alex, nice to hear from you. I've actually seen your videos before. 
and I don't know who does or doesn't see them because there's people there's passive viewers who don't actively engage with your stuff mm -hmm. um and it's a massive icebreaker on that side with clients as well I've had some clients wanting to be a part um, or trying to find a way of how they can be a part of it because fintech is a sector where they're still quite small so they need branding and to have a client ask me <laughs> to brand them that's a massive compliment um, i haven't had i haven't had any negative uh feedback apart from at the beginning when i started one of my old agencies apparently was laughing at the videos i was doing and now i'm kind of like this <laughs> that was Alex giving a metaphorical bird there <laughs> for, for those not doing this. Um, but then again, though, you know, the agencies you're working for, perhaps they're the ones that have been around, you know, slightly more established, slightly more traditional, shall we use that word, uh, to describe those. So here, here's a question then. The videos that you do aren't just videos they're they're really quite out there videos for the ones that that i've seen and that and that must take confidence what was it that that allowed you as a as a person to go joe you know what i am just going to do that um what what gave you the drive was it like well fuck it what have i got to lose or was it there there was like a, a purpose that drove you to do that the purpose is that i'm sick of people having the stereotype that recruiters are shitheads um, because not all of us are and some of us really do like what we do and we do want to help people what gets in the way of that is the leadership from the top that is simply either driving too many kpis or you know targets that are far too high that doesn't give the recruiter the time to nourish these relationships. So if I can have any kind of change in that stereotype, I'm going to fucking go to town with it. So I don't I, I would happily do a recruitment expose on how it works and, and everything because it's not as shit as people think. That's the driving factor. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Do you think there's some part of this, though, Alex, uh, that is, you know, you're being afforded a bit of a luxury because there's you and one other in your organisation. And if you were to scale it, and again, it's, it's a question perhaps that, you know, I'll ask you if you're looking to scale it, maybe you don't know what you're looking to do. But if you were to only get to 10, 20, you know, and, and, and beyond that, um, would you still, and by then, of course, you'd be the, uh, you know, the the, the boss steering it all how do you would you let people do what you do um or do you think there is a is a limit to what that can be done with the more people that there are so i definitely do want to scale it i don't think i'd want to scale it massively but let's say maybe 10 to 15 people i want it to be quite boutique but what i do want to have are kind of superstars in their own niche who are creative to do their own thing and be themselves in whatever format that works for them. So video works for me. That may not work for my future employee, but maybe writing articles or journalism or blogging is a way for them to express their personality. That's fine. But 
I completely get what you mean that it is a luxury to just have myself and my business partner at the moment but I do not believe for a second that there isn't a different structure to grow organically and ethically and fair enough it might be smaller profit margins that you make year on year but at least you're growing a sustainable business so that to me questions okay what are your values and your motives and in, in growing this company does that make sense it does make sense and what what's kind of ringing out um alex as we go through this is those words sort of ethically and with purpose are really ingrained in you um yeah. and you know at, at 25 years old i don't know whether or not that's that's sort of unique um or not but having a business without that purpose now um i think is i wouldn't say it's impossible um but where you're trying to attract as everybody is now sort of that the new the new entrance into our sector and people who haven't as we both described fallen into it so you know you're actually taking up this as a career because you want to i think those you know the, the way that you uh, adopt that purpose and that ethics that ethical standpoint could be if that's what the business is for really really important but for you what is the metric of of purpose and and you know working with ethics so for me what that means is something very simple but what i feel is the main thing that's forgotten in recruitment in recruitment you actually have two sales jobs you're not just selling to the client, you're selling to the candidate. And that is the selling to the candidate thing that people don't nurture and they don't give a shit about. If you spend more time nurturing the candidate side, everything is a hell of a lot better. So for me, if, if I can help that candidate, yes, ultimately get a job. But realistically, I'm a small fucking company. I'm not going to place 200 people. Um, but how can I add value to those people regardless? It's by doing these career strategy roadmap things that I'm doing. It's by doing the CV guide and still adding that to them. Um, and then I go to bed at night with my conscious clear that I've done something to someone that day. Do you, um, do you have a network within your, within your candidate base? And by that, I don't mean a candidate pool right, um, of people that you tap into. It's, it's a completely different thing. I mean, mm -hmm. a collaborative network where those people are in something, however that might look, that when you put out that um, that information, that content and those helpful things, they all get it and they're, they're, they're you know, working together. Uh, yeah, I mean... I get people messaging me that I've never heard of saying that someone else from someone else's friend's cousin tagged them in a post about it. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, I didn't realize that it would go that far or that people actually did find this useful. Um, and strangely, some of my biggest, biggest kind of advocators are my candidates that I haven't placed. <laughs> They're the ones that usually refer me or refer me to clients are the ones who I haven't even had a job for. 
often works that way. It's strange. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's strange, and and, and I'll, I'll I'll go back to the days when I was recruiting. It often happened, and it's really it is quite bizarre. And I'm sure people listening to this will also have that same feeling. It will resonate that that's happened to them too. And it is weird, but that can only happen if they know that you're doing a good job, and that good job to them means, which obviously plays into your you know um, into the way that you do your your role. It isn't just about making that placement and subsequently they know that it isn't just about you making a fee it's the other bits that go that, that, that go with it Alex is Wait, sorry my internet is so shit <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say I'm so sorry about that um but yeah you're right and what I've said to a candidate today actually is if I haven't replied to you on LinkedIn, um, but you've booked in like a strategy session with me, I'd rather give you like a full 45 minutes than just a quick five minute call to get some leads, get some names, and then you fucked off and I've never heard from you before. I'd rather actually have that time with you to help you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, you seem like a, an incredibly um, sort of driven um, and um, positive person. So I'm going to change the tack slightly now. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question which, um, which I was asked the other day, and it, it kind of really made me think. How has the experience of 2020 left you feeling? Oh, see, this is going to sound really bad because... <laughs> 2020 has left me feeling optimistic, motivated, and happy. But I don't know that if saying that sounds bad in the context of COVID, well, <laughs> or it just makes me sound like a really shit human being by saying that. <laughs> and I think without any context, it, it, it could well do. But the context of this is, though, um, is that when we, you know, before we started, I said, you know, we can't look at COVID as a silver lining, of course, but within it has come some really positives, as it should always be in any time of, um, you know, uh, that, that we've experienced like we did last year. There's always something that we can look at. And if you've grasped that as, as happiness and positivity um, and confidence, that's fantastic. But what is it particularly that has made you feel like that? Uh, the truthful answer is, um, despite all the shit, and everything that happened it's actually just this hope of humanity kind of resurfacing um you're seeing people doing more human things like helping people without having a reason to and all of that just completely rose to the surface of it and it was the driving factor for my own company so it sounds bad had that not happened I don't think I would have had a kick up the ass to motivate me to to go and also follow my purpose to help others. So that hope in humanity, I guess, would be the main thing that I got out of 2020. Yeah, and it's great. And again, um, it's the antipathies, I suppose, to how people perceive recruiters, isn't it? Now, you would never have put mm. humanity. <laughs> oh god no. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people who have experienced recruiters in the past um they i don't suppose that'd be in their top list of three things they describe a recruiter as um <laughs> so so tell us about tail and tell us what it was that drove that purpose um and what it is you know 
I'm, I'm guessing Tal is to do the storytelling, right? Um, I may be incorrect with that, but what, what is it? Where was the name come from? Was it derived? And what, what is it you're trying to achieve through that name? Ooh, good question. Um, so if I'm honest, the word, <laughs> the, the name actually came about on a Sunday at 2 p.m. when I was looking at the word talent and I just thought, what else could it be? I knocked off N and T. And then I came out with tail. And then I thought, that is fucking brilliant. I did English literature, tale, storytelling. Everyone has their own kind of journeys and narratives. And everyone does have their own story. So I don't see anything more perfect to align recruitment with because you're helping people on their own narrative. Um, and then as the branding developed, I just fell more and more in love with it. Um, I'm kind of like my own biggest advocate of my own company name. <laughs> I think you need to be, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, you didn't. You're constantly having that as a niggle, you'd end up changing it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what it stuck to. And we, we really like it. And even when we format CVs, we actually have the tail of, and then it goes into the CVs. So we've done everything around uh, stories. Terrific. And is that something you've done internally? Is that, is that your creation that you've then sort of implemented or have you used a, a design agency? How's that work? Most of it's just been me. I mean, we have someone who we have, we did have a company who created the whole branding at the beginning. Um, but after that, anything that's from now or PDF documents or anything else, it's just me trying to put things together or the video editing or whatever. As me playing around with it because <laughs> part of your tail up until this this point alex uh, which i'm very intrigued by is the uh is the volunteer work um hmm. which you never mentioned to me i just did my uh investigations having been previously a journalist before falling into uh, into recruitment and you, you you do work with um with macmillan teenager cancer trust and uh and, and comet relief um so i'm really intrigued to know how that transfers into what you do and also whether or not it transfers back because I, I, I agree with you 100 percent lots of uh, lots of people over the last you know 2020 probably did things that they might not ordinarily do and it's got nothing to do with recruitment this this particular point that has you know made them feel good I'm sure by giving back um, mm -hmm. members only raised an awful lot of money for three separate charities across last year when we were asking people to donate to listen to webinars um, and it's great. And I know for a fact that people in the, in the network felt really good about doing that. Um, but how for you does that manifest in terms of the way it transfers across your charity stuff and your volunteering and into what you do as a job? It manifests a lot. And I think sometimes a bit too much um, to the detriment of my own company, <laughs> um, but it will never be a detriment. What I, what I mean by that is um, if I see someone who needs a job because something bad happened, they got made redundant, followed, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> I've sent them to a candidate to clients before and I said, forget the red tape, forget HR, take them as it is. You know that they're good, fuck the fee and take them on. It's as simple as that. And I did that a couple of times. Um, and that's when I realized that I'm, I want to do this job. Not only am I decent at it, 
but I know I don't care about that money enough when I see people struggling. So I have done that in the past. That, that uh, the, the benevolence that clearly runs through you then um, is, is symptomatic of the way that you are now running your business, isn't it? And it is, again, another polar opposite to how many businesses are structured um, and must, when you're looking to scale this, must really, really help um, or will really, really help when you're looking to bring people on because there is an absolute core rooted definitive purpose um, for what you do. Um, and again, and it, I don't want it to sound contrived or, you know, or, or, or you know, wanky, um, but, but really that is it, isn't it? Um, and people say, or used to say, you know, someone said in an interview that I want to help people get a job as the most, as a question or an answer to a question of why do you want to do recruitment? They get shown. Yeah. And the answer <laughs> to that question was, cause I want to earn loads of money now. <laughs> and it may well still be that it may well still be that in certain sectors, potentially, I don't know for certain, but it definitely isn't going to be the attraction for the majority of you know, the, the, the 20 somethings coming through, like yourself, that all want to run businesses with a different mission and a different goal. Yeah, I think if that's your only motivation, you're not going to get massively far, I don't think. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was inspired by Mr. Simon Sinek, if you've seen it, uh, his book, The Power of Why. Yeah. And he was completely right when he said that everyone knows their what and how, but no one really knows their why. And I know I'm probably going to struggle to find people who are probably more morally inclined towards recruitment rather than financially. But without sounding too airy-fairy, whatever you put out there, you kind of get back in return. It is karma. So the more positivity and good shit you can put out there, I think that always comes back to you anyway. Um, if someone doesn't follow that mantra and they believe in just quick wins, then go to another agency, go and make your quick money if that's what you want. But this is a long-term thing for me. So I need people and future employees to kind of see that this is a long-term prospect where you can do very well if you stick to your values. Absolutely. And, and, and it's a, a hugely um, important point that you made there, Alex. Uh, unfortunately, 2020 is going to see the demise of some really good recruitment agencies that just haven't been able to adapt um, or adopt the, you know, the, the things that are needed now to, to push on. Um, there are, fortunately, on the other hand, going to be some agencies that completely disappear and they should have disappeared ages ago. Um, but but the, how would you, how do you see the, the new recruitment agency and, and, and how do you see that looking? What kind of individual do you think might be running it? Um, and how do you think it could be run? Oh, I had to get my vision plan up for this because I remember looking at it for my own company. But um, I think everything, what you said there, it's difficult. I do understand for companies that have quite a large headcount, it's difficult for them to be agile at that point and adapt very, very quickly um, to just kind of change a culture overnight if their culture wasn't in that direction in the first place. Uh, so for me, internally, what I would do is I would 
I'd rather pay people a higher salary and make a much fairer commission structure because they need to know that there is value in you spending an hour on the phone to a candidate and helping them. I'm not going to give you a KPI on how many candidates you're speaking clients. I much prefer the consistency and what you're getting from those conversations. Um, me, the three kind of non-negotiable characteristics would have to be creativity, stepping outside the box of this development and finding different ways um, that fit in with your personality. A massive willingness to help would be number two. And then finally, just um, sheer optimism. Yeah, and I, and I think those three points, and it, it answers that question, which I set out to you, what are your three non-negotiable characters uh, for someone working your team, um, right? Which was going to be uh, the way that we ended it, but, you, but you've, uh, you've, you've segued it in already. Uh, no, it's, it's absolutely, it's true though, but, you know, that, that optimism is really hard, isn't it? So how do you, and this will come on to, a, a, you know, another question. How do you keep um, optimistic when times are tough um and what is it that you know what, what what drives you so everybody doesn't matter what people say in recruitment it is ups and downs it is a roller coaster it is to use my personal phrase champagne and razor blades right and it really can mm. be that um so when it is at the uh you know the tougher edge of it what keeps you going what 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 drives alex's um optimism First of all, I just want to say I'm not a fucking bundle of joy all the time. I can be an absolute nightmare occasionally. Um, but the optimism that I have is mainly the freedom in being able to think in different ways to get shit done. So I, my job is not to just sit at my computer, talk to candidates, and talk to clients it's i'm motivated by the fact that i can think outside the box and use my creative side to do other things so i know that if i wake up one morning and i say do you know what i don't have a role let me just chat to some candidates or let me think uh, let me chat to candidates so i know what they need help with and that helps me with the content that i put out so it's actually the fact that i've got multiple things that i'm handling and i would want people working for tails to have the same thing kind of in a roundabout way answers your question but <laughs> well, yeah. well it does but you know what 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 i think if you if you delve into that and kind of look at it a different way perhaps this is something that you know is is worth somebody um who is potentially banging their head against the wall at the moment we speak and obviously if somebody's listening to this in uh, in 2022 and not 2021 then perhaps they're looking at a different perspective but the way that you attack that is slightly different because what you haven't done there is you're not looking at a candidate and think i'm going to get a lead out of you um you're not yeah. looking at uh, a client necessarily and thinking i'm just going to get a job out of you so you're approaching it in a completely different way and that instantly lessens the, lessens the pressure, instantly lessens, lessens the stress. Um, mm -hmm. And you have a different purpose um, for, for going in and speaking with these people. So that then makes that job so much easier, doesn't it? Because at the moment where in almost every sector, um, there is a, you know, there's, there's a bun fight for candidates um, or there is, you know, a bun fight for trying to get in touch with your clients. If you're going in a slightly different way, certainly if you're approaching it differently, 
um, which you you obviously do, that must help the equilibrium so that you're not so up and down. Oh my God, yes. I do not feel less on that level at all because I do message clients if I see that they're hiring in my space. If they want to use me, great. If they don't, no harm done. I'm not going to push it because that's not my style. That's not how I do that because I know how shitty recruiters are in general anyway. Um, but if I am having a frustrating day, I actually, I took a TED talk that I watched. I can't remember the name of it, but um, what we don't do enough of is taking a step back and educating ourselves before we go back to the problem. It's like you just said, you get told, oh, okay, you're doing a couple of client. Okay, fine. Go talk to the next client, then talk to the next client and next one. But actually, no, you're stuck in a loop. You need to go away, spend a day or two or a week, find a different strategy. Work on your strategy, not just the doing all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And and taking that step back, and and this is one thing. You know, if you're looking for silver linings, I think 2020 has a, a has given us that, because you had no choice anyway, did you? It's not like you could go at a million miles an hour, even if that is your general pace. Um, and there's a brilliant book out there by Sophie Devonshire um, uh, called "It's Lead at Speed," and uh, it's called "Super Fast." It's Lead at Speed, and, and the the premise of it is is that. If you're always working at the same speed, you're going to have some people that can't keep up. You have some people that uh, it's you know that they are working even faster than you, and it doesn't take into account everything that's going around you. And part of that involves just slowing down sometimes and knowing when then to go. Um, but I think we have as you know the, the DNA of a of a recruiter uh, typically I should say. Um, it's just to go a million miles now. I want it done tomorrow or, or, or now, now, now. And it's all about tomorrow's the last time I want it's done by. Whereas you can just take that step back and go, right, okay, how does it look? So strategize more than just implement. Um, but like I say, 2020 afforded that, didn't it? It allowed us that time because even if we didn't want it, we had no choice. It was there. So um, it sounds as though you've got that down right you you look at things that your strategy isn't to do that thing it has to happen today or not and there is a further forward you know prognostication that goes around that completely and for me it's just always been about quality i would genuinely rather have 10 solid clients who absolutely love working with for an entire year with work I don't need more than that weirdly enough like you actually don't um so what I've become a lot stricter with because you always get clients that say oh we're looking to hire are you though <laughs> is it even signed off do you even have the money for it no you fucking don't um but if they do and you actually have that as, as a client then that, that's all you really need so it's just quality over quantities you know standard but works <laughs> Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Alex, what makes you happy? Do you know what? I've read this question and my answer to that is usually food makes me very happy. I'm a massive foodie, love food. 
but I kind of took the question on a very psychological level. <laughs> Good. And um, again, it was inspired by Darren Brown, where he said that the word happy and being happy should be more of a verb. Because if you make happy as a thing that's just attainable and you get there, it's never constant, is it? Like I'm happying right now. Literally, I'm happy in this moment right now. But I might get a shit email later on in the evening where I'm no longer going to be happy. <laughs> um, so things that make me happy generally, good coffee, good food, good conversations, um, and the sun, which we don't currently fucking have. <laughs> we don't. If you could go anywhere to seek that sun, Alex, where would that be? Mexico. <laughs> Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, big fan. In fact, I got an order. I got an order. Um, one of a box pushed through my door um, the other day of a bottle of tequila uh, for a margarita oh, session. One? I'll have to go and get it for the name of it, um, which I can't. I can do. I don't. I, I can look at my Amazon actually. I'll, I'll find out for you and I'll tell you. Are you a big tequila fan? I do love tequila. I got my mum recently into it and now what she asks for is the Silver Patron one. And I was like, great, yeah, you've got expensive taste. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for the Silver Patron. Yeah, no, Silver Patron is uh, it's great. That, that's what you, that's you go to if you're out in a bar. Um, although I know you don't go out in bars as much perhaps as, uh, as I do, but that is what I would order there. My Amazon's trying to load up. So I will tell you by the end of this, I hope, what it is that... Um, what it is that I've ordered. Um, what are you grateful for? Another philosophical question. Short answer. I was trying to think of something more original, but I can't. It's with my family. My family is in good health. I've been lucky, very lucky to have spent my entire time with them during, during lockdown. Um, so we haven't all gone insane. I think the four of us, my brother, mum and dad, we have gone insane. We just do really stupid shit together or pranks on each other to another level. But very grateful that I have them and their support and just, yeah, cheesy, but true. <laughs> it sounds like your parents and potentially your brother could be the inspiration behind some of your videos. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I've actually said going to make my brother my chief marketing officer at some point. He's 14 for context, <laughs> um, but he can work TikTok and that's enough of a pass for me. <laughs> um, and my mom just constantly gives me ideas. She's like a stereotypical Romanian mother. So <laughs> she's absolutely incredible. She would be shouting at my brother whilst I'm on a podcast such as this or a zoom call and all you can hear is romanian shouting outside so yeah a lot of content inspiration from them i'm going to ask you to be a soothsayer now um and foresee what might happen um with this clubhouse now Ooh. I'm going to tell you, I know it's a good one, isn't it? And it's not even a question yeah. I sent you either, I realise that. And, and the only reason why it's not a question, because until the day before yesterday, I hadn't even heard you of it. You weren't on it. <laughs> I wasn't on it. I hadn't even heard of it, let alone be on it. And I got certain, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck's that? 
And I couldn't even be bothered <laughs> to pretend I knew who it was. I couldn't even be bothered to look up what it was. So I, I sounded like I knew. I just went, I don't know what that is. Anyway, you know, um, curiosity got the better of me. And now I am. And there you already are. Um, mm. So, you know, it, it's, what is it? The 14th of January, 2020. Um, where are we going to be with it? Well, first of all, explain if you can. Because I tried to explain it to somebody earlier today. And I was like, oh, I just gave up. You simply as you possibly can, Alice, explain what it is and where you think it's going and how beneficial it could be. If, of okay. course, you think it could be beneficial. There we go. Right. Clubhouse is a new social platform. And the best way to describe it is that it's a interactive podcast thing. <laughs> That's what I would say. So you can go in you can create a room you can you know start a conversation and then depending on the title what we're conversating about people can come in and you can get a lot you can get lots of value from it because there's you know expert leaders in certain industries who join these conversations and it's your chance to get involved and ask questions to people you wouldn't normally have access to and Okay, you asked me if it's going to be beneficial. Fuck yes. <laughs> well, I don't think you could be more pointed than that. Um, what, I even pointed at my camera. <laughs> you did. You nearly jabbed me in the eye. What? Uh, what? Why are you so adamant that this is this is this is to you the next best thing, isn't it, or the new best thing? This is it. Why? It's great be because I I love community. I love different communities and for instance one one thing I love is 18th century literature right there's not a lot of nerds out there that I know who specifically love that genre and that period of literature it fucking is on clubhouse though I can go in there in a room with people from all over the world and we can discuss our 18th century novels at the same time I can have one for fintechs I can have one for financial crime compliance i can have one for fucking food i don't know what whatever it is that i want and it's this community aspect that i love um if you're asking me from a work perspective how it's beneficial it's getting the message out there for those who need to hear it if they're struggling for jobs on another level i could be helping out someone with their cv in the US, if they're sitting in on that conversation. Um, so that's why I think it's powerful, because it's got access to all, literally all over the world. I think um, almost before you answered that as two separate components of it mm. being useful for business as well. In my, in my opinion, you'd already answered that because I see the value of something like Clubhouse um, as a thing. And that's how I described it earlier as well. <laughs> it is, um, recruitment, it is recruitment is evolving um, because people are starting to look outside of the sector. Mm. Um, and we spoke earlier before before this about silos. And the reason why I nearly left recruitment, you know, a while ago was because I was fed up of those silos. And I had a choice, in my opinion, I had a choice of either leaving it and leaving those silos to other people or trying to break them. Now, you know, one person on a mission is is not going to get very far amongst 40,000 in the UK and then some across the course of the world, right? But 
I can start, I can see it. And part of the reason why I'm starting to feel a lot happier about what, you know, the industry is, is turning into is because I can see other people trying to break that mold as well. And, and, and like I say, that's because people are looking outside of it. So, so anywhere where you can go, where you can absorb information from other sectors, from other people that has got nothing to do with recruitment whatsoever, as long as you've got a brain that's capable of translating that and, and you know, transcending it into recruitment, you're going to have a better a better environment in my opinion completely and i have that feeling of you know creativity and coming up with new ideas only when i left my old job because i was so institutionalized of the hours i was working the shit that i was supposed to do and everything that once you've got a break from all of that all of a sudden you're like oh fuck why did no one tell me that we could have done it this way or that way or the other like and then I thought why aren't we doing it I don't get it um but you don't have that perspective unless you've been out of it in my point of view 100 and that comes back to that taking time out taking a step back and yeah. observing it from a completely different angle um which it's quite clear that that you're that you're doing right now so um as the time starts ticking towards the end um, Alex, I'd quite like to know a couple of things. First of all, mm -hmm. um, outside of recruitment, <laughs> what, what do you do? What what gets you going? Where are your passions? I dance salsa. I am an avid salsa dancer and uh, learning Spanish. So I've always been fascinated by that culture, Latin America. Um, not big, well, yeah, one of my exes was Latino. So we learned a lot of Spanish that, that way, but now I'm actually taking classes. Um, and yeah, dancing, absolutely love it. It's the main thing. I think I actually put a couple of posts about dancing on LinkedIn as well. Um, at one point though, I get, I get very obsessed with things if I'm interested in them. And I got obsessed with cooking at one point. I'm shit at it, but I was obsessed with it which is the worst combination because then I started Googling like, oh, Cordon Bleu, schools of cookery or whatever. <laughs> um, so that was one of my passions, but yeah, predominantly dance. So you, you had a conveyor belt of crap food coming out of your kitchen. Basically. Yes. <laughs> my mother begged me to stop at one point. She was like, Alex, just please, let's call it a day. You're never going to be a chef. I'm like, all right, cheers, mother. <laughs> Um, so, and also, let's, where's tail? Where's tail going to be? So, with all this stuff that you're doing inside and outside of the, of the sector, and all the you know the, the, the purposeful work um, led by a really good ethics and a real moral compass, which it seems that you have, um, which I think realistic, you know, really is sort of underpinned by this real sense of benevolence and wanting to do right by by the, the people that you work with, um, which I do think is, you know, really, really quite, you know, it, it's heartwarming, um, you know, and again, I don't want to stretch the point, but it really is, because I've been in the sector long enough, Alex, to know that this is, you know, it's, it's becoming increasingly unique, thankfully, but the way that you do it is, I think, unique, but where, where with everything going on at his tail, if you could, you know, foresee a couple of years, where do you want it to be? What, what, what would its own that. tail be? Its own tail. Um, the reason it's funny is 
ask you that is because I had a dream a couple of weeks ago where I was in an office and it was Friday afternoon and everyone was there working and then all of a sudden music came on everyone started salsa dancing or whatever we had like a little green room so people like a specific room where people can go and create their content if they want to I want to make it into almost a creative hub for people who want to have their own business in a business and I genuinely mean that like they can be as creative as they want to be there's no cap on create creativity um so that's what I see it. And I want to get people on board who can teach me shit that I don't know, you know, um, and just constantly be evolving things. I'm hoping in five years time, we've completely remodeled recruitment. <laughs> Ambitious, but fuck it. Why not? Yeah, but no, but, but you know, quite literally what a dream. Um, and, and that's, that's, you know, when you're looking at something to feel optimistic about having that is great. And, you know, I guess that you'd probably implore, I suppose, as many people as possible. And again, it, it, it does, it alters a little bit when you're talking about a slightly larger organisation, which already has an infrastructure that's very difficult to break. And it isn't impossible mm. to change, but it might be very difficult to, to you know, recondition that. Um, but I, I see 2021 as being a year where many more organisations will start. Um, you know they'll, they'll come through with a completely different objective and, and the way they do their things um and i do see more creativity coming through is there is there any tips that you would give to somebody that has been in your situation and there will be loads i'm sure coming out of redundancy coming out of furlough deciding that the business they're in right now isn't quite right for them anymore and uh, because of mm -hmm. less they've learned Anything you would advise that people should be looking at as an absolute, you must do this. Or definitely don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just touched on it, actually. If anyone has that little niggling feeling at the back of their head where they're thinking this isn't right, spend a lot of fucking time mapping out what that is. It's a lot of self-reflection. I had to figure out everything I was feeling in order to create what I wanted around it. So to me, it's actually the self-reflection piece um, that I would say, if you have that, go in on it, figure out what the hell it is, because in that you're going to find your purpose and your why. And once you find that, that is the most valuable tool that you can use to create something for yourself. Wise words, Alex, thank you. Well, look, the tequila, by the way. Uh, well, <laughs> I love that. Casamigos Blanco. Casa. And I, do you know what I did there? I tried to put on some sort of accent and I don't even know why. Um, I thought it was a British accent. Did you even try? Yeah, it was a sort of attempt at the Blanco bit. <laughs> Casamigos Blanco, I like that. Tequila also helps with self-reflection in case anyone wants to know. Does it really? Well, you know, I, I, I bought this for medicinal purposes. It says it is good. <laughs> it, said, it said it's a good digestive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's a good digestive for itself. Do you know what I mean? So if you have a bottle of that, whether or not you need another bottle to help, you know, that's where the medicinal bit comes, do you think? Um, 
I remember seeing something about this. Like one way to do a COVID test is just by constantly tasting different types of alcohol and seeing if you're tasting it or not. So we're on to something here. Could save the NHS a lot of tests by doing it yourself. Yeah, well, quite well, you know, you're, you're not so much of a drinker, are you? you no, know, you're not from the old school uh, recruiter. You're, you're the, the new school. Um, I'm seeing this a lot, actually. And it'd be interesting when, you know, we all let loose again, just how the industry, I, I just, I've got these visions of London just strewn with recruiters. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like it's going to be mayhem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like London on fire because everyone's just getting loose after COVID. Oh, God. Yeah, hang out at alleyways and yeah, doorways <laughs> of pubs, literally. <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be quite a thing. But do you know what? We're looking forward to it, aren't we? So, look, Alex, I think over this session, well, I know over this session, you have absolutely proven that not all recruiters are shitheads to use your exact phrase. Um, <laughs> I'm delighted that, that you agreed to come on uh, to this podcast. And I think outside of all the other bits and pieces that we do here and all the other people that I get on, what I really wanted to evoke was that sense of how something can look different. And mm. being and that point of difference for me is, is absolutely imperative. I've written an article about it for our, for our website, short though it was, but the, the, the premise of it is that silos needed to be broken um yeah. i think it's getting somewhere i mean we've got a long way to go but people like yourself alex with the way that you adopt not just the um sort of the, the, the purpose-driven agency that you obviously have but the way that you are looking outside of what other people do and just really breaking that mold um i think it's extraordinary i think a lot of people can learn a lot from you and a lot from what you do whether ir irrespective of the size of organization so that's what i hope has been achieved and i hope now people listen to this go and check you out um and and follow what you do because i do think it is genuinely breaking the mold so well done on that thank you so much for that that really does mean a lot so thanks for having me on and like you said at the beginning letting me share my tale so to speak <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'll leave it. What are you up to now? So uh, where are we? We're, we're 20 past four on a, on, a, on a Thursday. What does that look like to, uh, to Alex? To Alex, well, Alex has got two calls. Uh, one was at four, which I'm late, never mind, uh, with candidates. And then I'm probably going to go have a tequila after what you just mentioned. <laughs> oh, actually, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah well, well, if you do, share that amongst the uh, share that amongst the network, and I'm sure others that aren't doing dry general will get involved. But look, <laughs> Alex, I'm going to let you crack on. It's been an absolute pleasure, um, an absolute choice. I knew it would be, um, and um, thank you. Look, and best of luck with Tail. Thank you so much. Thanks, Take Alex. care, Simon. Bye. <laughs>